Welcome to episode 120 of Crack the Customer Code. This episode is brought to you by Audible. With more than 180,000 titles, you can listen to all those books you've been meaning to read. Listeners of this podcast can receive a 30-day free trial to experience for themselves. Sign up at audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and here I am with El Capitan of customer service and my co-host, Adam Toporek. Oh, Adam. El Capitan. I like it. Now you're basically just going to go walk your way through like all the Apple operating systems. <laughs> I'm gonna, you're going to start calling me all the Mount OS. Lion. Yes, Mount Lion, uh, Fabrics. Oh, I like it. I might do that. Oh, very original. <laughs> I might just start changing the uh, the actual language of your titles, you know? <laughs> Try that approach. Hey, well, if it's Spanish, I might understand it. I might not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of user experience and Apple, one of our favorite, though controversial uh, user experience companies, <laughs> we are actually here to talk about mapping experiences, and we have a serious expert on the topic with us today. That's right. So, Jim... Kalbach is the author of a book called, wait for it, Mapping Experiences. <laughs> so the book is all about this subject, all about how to do it, why to do it, how to get the best results from it. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really great for those of us who want to dive into this topic. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think it's really good. If you're interested in mapping and journeys, this is a really good deep dive episode. I mean, he's, Jim has got so much knowledge, and he really goes into some of it on a deep level. So if you're into this or you're looking at it for your organization, this is a great episode. Definitely agree. And we've got a lot to cover, so I say we just jump in. All righty. Jim Kaldbach is a noted author, speaker, and instructor in user experience design, information architecture, and strategy. He is currently the head of customer success at Mural, a leading online digital whiteboard. Jim has worked as a design leader with large companies such as eBay, Audi, Sony, Elsevier Science, I hope I said that right, LexisNexis, and Citrix. Jim plays jazz bass and jam sessions and combos in Jersey City, where his family currently lives. In 2007, Jim published his first full-length book, Designing Web Navigation, and his second book, Mapping Experiences, released in 2016. Welcome, Jim. How are you today? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. We're so happy you could join us today, Jim. And, you know, I'm finding that your book has so much information about this idea of why, how, and what to diagram throughout many parts of business, not just customer journey maps, which we talk a lot about here, but strategy maps and other business processes and, and everything else. And so I was wondering, you know, how do you define or what do you think the visual media of maps does to effectively communicate about experiences that maybe just, you know, writing a chapter in a book wouldn't have done so well? Right. Yeah, exactly. G uh, great question. Um, I do focus on a broad range of diagrams and maps in the book, and I've had experience with, with most of the, the types that I um, discuss in the book. And it, it just it kind of realized I, it came it came to, a, you know, I came to the realization that there's this activity out there um, when we're talking about things like customer experience and user experience design and service design, that a big part of that is trying to to grasp um, something that's abstract. 
because when we talk mm -hmm. about experiences, it's it's not something that we can you know touch. And experiences are holistic, and they're kind of in the moment, and they're personal. And we've kind of you know as a as a community in the, in the customer experience profession or design profession, we've kind of grabbed onto this notion of diagrams and mapping that out so that we can understand it, so that we can freeze it in time. Um, and use that as a prototype to walk through an experience in someone else's um, shoes. And I do believe that the visualization aspect of it is very, very important because we can go out and do research or analysis or some diagnosis of an existing experience and compile that in a report. Um, but we're all familiar with, you know, um, take up of those reports if anybody reads them at all. Um, they're also <laughs> not accessible. Right. Um, you know, it's by the time you get to page 10, you forget what was on page one. But if we map things out visually, I think I think that has lots of different effects. Um, well, first of all, it's a lot more concise. Um, and typically when we talk about mapping, whether it's a service blueprint or a customer journey map, we're generally talking about something that fits on a page. Literally, it might be a poster sized page, but we, we tend to think of it as a single entity. Um, and so I think there's, um, you know, there's something concise about it. Um, that when we do these visualizations, that it is something that um, a stakeholder can can walk up to and kind of get a big picture, really see the beginning and ending, literally, um, in one overview. Um, it, it's also a place to consolidate a lot of information as well, too. So qualitative, quantitative information. You can, you know, tag, you know, map things like NPS scores, but also qualitative interview quotes and all kinds of different types of information consolidate um, together. And I think the visualization allows us to do that. Um, but I th also think it's just a, a compelling artifact. Um, you know, nobody needs, um, you know, a PowerPoint full of bullet points anymore that just kind of wash over you in a boring presentation. Rather, you know, we create these compelling um, visualizations that actually draw people in. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's super important because, um, you know, the, 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 the discussions that you have around these visualizations are, are, are absolutely critical. Um, typically maps don't provide the answers. It's the decisions that you make based on that information. And you only reach those um, decisions through a conversation. So having this compelling and very often colorful and, you know, these things that are hanging on the wall. So you're up on your feet. And I think that's all part of the experience of engaging with, with a map. And it's, it's really that visualization, I think, that draws other people in. So they're concise. They consolidate a lot of information and they're compelling. Um, and I think the visualization part of that um, you know, plays a, plays a huge role. And as I said, we're also able to um, see new patterns and draw new conclusions. We can relate the beginning to the end or, you know, think about how one part um, might affect another part of the experience. And that, that actually offloads part of our cognitive, um, you know, ability when we're, when we're looking at an experience that we can actually say, oh, there it is all mapped out in front of me. I don't have to remember what was on page one by the time I get to page 10. It's kind of all right there. And that'll, I think that frees up our thinking, uh, actually, um, to, to draw new conclusions. And that's ultimately what you want to do. You want to use these diagrams to move the organization forward in some way. Great. So that was a great answer, Jim, and I like how you cover the understanding the process through the visual. And an interesting part of your book mapping experiences is how you stress action as part of the diagram process. You know, it's not enough to create a good map. You then have to do something with it. So I'm curious, what are some of the, your favorite examples of actions that you should take uh, following mapping an experience? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I did name the book Mapping Experience um, intentionally, starting with the verb, because it, it is really about the mapping and less about the map. Of course, the diagram as a compelling artifact is important, but that gives no answers um, by itself, that it's always um, you know, the, the team, the group, the organization that has to make sense of the diagram, and they make sense of that through activities. And those activities actually begin, or can begin, um, as I recommend, uh, before the map is created or during the map making process. And so I like to think about involving people um, at the very beginning. So when you're scoping out a project, uh, when you're doing research, even even in the diagramming process as well, too, you can involve people. Um, that helps uh, raise both understanding um, and also buy-in to, to the mapping process as well, too. So it actually begins, and I really see the map or the creation of the map as a point in, a, in, a, in an ongoing conversation. And that conversation can, can begin um, as you're creating the map. Um, but then you do end up with, um, you know, a visualization, an overview, a, a prototype of the experience that you can walk through in slow motion. And um, I, what I typically um, recommend is is a workshop of some time of some kind, a work session um, to kind of culminate an effort. If you do have a concerted effort to create a map, a diagram of some kind, whether it's a customer journey map or a service blueprint or an experience diagram. Um, to have some kind of workshop or work session. Uh, what you don't want to do, by the way, is to you know create a document and attach it as a PDF to an email and say, "Hey, what do you guys think?" Um, uh. that, that's not that's <laughs> not why we do these things, right? We it, they're they're very visual and they're things that we can hang out literally and and have people either walking by or like in a workshop, like I said, you can engage them in a concerted effort to 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 look at the diagram and the information there. So I always in the projects that I do, I always bake in a workshop, and I think most of the people, the professionals doing this kind of thing that I've talked to, they also do that as well too. Um, so I, I like I like to uh, you know use that workshop as kind of a cornerstone of the project as well too in terms of the actions, what you're going to do. But it continues after that as well too. Um, so the workshop again is just another kind of point in time. But um, I think I think you do need that that kind of big bang where you bring people together and foster conversations around the map. Um, so your role for, at this point, then, you'll move from researcher and map maker to then facilitator. So I think people involved in this work um, really do need good facilitation skills. Um, and one thing that I very often start uh, with um, is simple empathy exercises. I get uh, the team, the people that I've collected there uh, in a workshop, gathered together in a workshop, um, which, by the way, should across disciplines. So you want people from marketing and sales and product development, uh, engineers, uh, product managers. Um, you can, you kind of want a sample of each, as many um, different fields as you can get. Bring them all together because very often the problems that you um, uncover and the solutions that you uh, arrive at are, you know, cross the silos or the organizational boundaries of, of our companies. So if you have that kind of uh, cross section of people there, it, it, it makes for a much richer conversation. Um, but one of the things that I like to do is actually walk through the diagram. So I'll have folks uh, read the diagram. If there's, you know, if it's a longer diagram, I might section it up into different parts and have a subgroup read each section together. But then I give them an activity to kind of evaluate or assess their own performance 
in some way. I, sometimes I'll have gaps that they have to fill in. Other times I'll, I'll ask them to, you know, give a school grade on how well their organization provides, uh, pr um, performs at each of the touch points, for instance. So um, it's not just reading the diagram. There's also activities that go along with that. And that then becomes a springboard into ideation for improvement improvement and for innovation. And I've never um, gone through a mapping exercise where people didn't just have loads of ideas on what could be done. Some of them are, um, you know, low-hanging fruit. They're quick wins. Um, some of them are, are grand and, you know, game-changing. And so then you need to prioritize them as well, too. Um, so after, I, you know, you engage with the diagram and use that as a springboard into uh, ideation, um, then you need some kind of prioritization and evaluation of the ideas as well, too. I'll even go further in some of the sessions that I've been doing re in the recent years, and I will, um, you know, create artifacts. So I'd like to articulate the ideas that folks have created, um, typically on sticky notes. Um, but it's really hard to go from a sticky note uh, in a workshop to action the next Monday uh, when you get back to work. So I like to try to flesh out the concepts as much as possible. I'll have folk, folks sketch or create artifacts and then even do testing. So I've set up um, work sessions where at the end of the day we bring in um, users um, that, you, that you can then present the concepts to. So that you actually you know, use the diagram as an impetus for, uh, for ideation, but don't stop there and go as far as you can into testing your, your uh, assumptions around the ideas and, and fleshing out the concepts as much as possible. When you come out the other side of the workshop, what you should have is a, is a much more um, prioritized list of, of actions that you want to take, but also then concepts that you've had initial feedback on as well, too. Um, and then they become the basis for further experiments. So you, again, you need, to, you need to continue that conversation. You're not just going to call up development or um, you know, implement the, some of those things, particularly the bigger ones. You're not just going to do that right away. You still have to continue developing those ideas. So it's really about not just facilitating a workshop, but facilitating a broader dialogue in the organization and then following through. And I think that's where a lot of efforts um, kind of stop. They don't do that follow through. What are the experiments that we're going to do? How are, how are we actually going to make these ideas come real? Um, but the map and the diagramming is really, for me, it's the impetus for all of that. And so I think that's a, a great point about how it's kind of this combination of, of tools and everything that you use. And some of these things we've been using for a long time. I mean, right. we've, been, we've been using Post-its because they're effective, because people can just jot down and make drawings or whatever they want to do and, and map it out that way. So I'm curious, like, what mm -hmm. do you see for the future of this? Are we all going to continue with post-it notes forever or will we have you know electronic post-it notes or will we be reading people's minds as we sit uh -huh. in the room together and look at a map you know what do you think is the future of of all of this type of work and workshops yeah so I have a very strong opinion on that for several reasons um, one is I have worked from remote locations for uh, a great deal of my career. Um, um, so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of r remote collaboration in general, and I've, st I've studied that you know, remote work in general for, for quite a while. Um, however, um, you know, a workshop or a work session that I just mentioned, or the, the type of that you know, workshop, is often a reason for people to get together. Um, and I think that's also, also very healthy as, as well, too. I've even flown as far as, you know, Australia to, to lead these types of, of work uh, sessions and conversations. Um, but I do feel, um, particularly in my current role, I work for a company called Mural, which is an online whiteboard 
And we actually provide a solution where you can use virtual sticky notes on a virtual whiteboard um, <laughs> and do this kind of work, um, which I've done as well, too. Um, and that really helps the, the you know, remote teams um, think about an entire journey, for instance, because that visualization um, is even harder to do when you're not in the same room um, because you're mediated by technology such as Skype. Um, or email or chat. Um, and that tends to bring things down to a, a, a very small peephole through which communication happens. Um, a tool like Mural um, actually opens it up and then it becomes flat and visual again. Um, so I've done a lot of mapping exercises with Mural. Um, and that doesn't even have to be remote, um, by the way. It can even just be um, you know, digital, even though you're um, standing next to each other. And I think there's, there's a really key advantage to, to thinking about things digitally. Um, mapping or otherwise, and that is that it actually allows you to continue the, the conversation going forward. Um, typically, when you put sticky notes on a wall, if you uh, first of all, if you weren't in that session that generated those sticky notes, it's hard to penetrate the, the thinking there. Um, but also, that tends to be the end of it. Um, sure, we take uh, you know, photos of whiteboards and things like that that we then send around by email, but it becomes very static and frozen, or we literally wipe it away. Um, so I think, you know, thinking about this kind of thing with more digital tools, um, you know, brings up the question, how, how do we evolve our understanding of the, of the customer experience through visualization using tools like Mural? There are other tools, too, that are, that are coming up that I think will start speaking towards uh, you know, customer experience management digitally um, and, you know, whiteboarding digitally and those types of things. So I do think um, in, the, in the near term, I think those types of things will become more and more common. Um, I don't know about reading people's minds. That would be kind of cool, but maybe a little creepy, too. You know, this has been a really deep dive, and we appreciate it. You've just got so much knowledge in this area, Jim. Uh, thank you so much for sharing it with us. And uh, tell us, where can people find you on the Internet if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jim Callback, uh, one word, Jim Callback. Um, you can email me as well, too. It's jim.callback at gmail.com. Um, and I also blog on experiencinginformation.com. That's experiencinginformation.com. Um, so uh, you can also find my LinkedIn profile. I'm happy to um, connect with people and chat there as well, too. Great. Well, we'll make sure that's all in the show notes so people can reach out with all of their mapping questions nice. because you have uh, more experience than this in this than I think a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing this with us and, uh, and for being here with us today. Yeah, well, thanks for asking me. It was a real pleasure and an honor. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks a lot. Jim. Thank you. Appreciate Take care. It. Okay, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed episode 120 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. Thanks to audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to sign up for a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters. Sign up for customer experience webinars at cxwebinar.com and learn more about how to understand all of your customer touch points at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapore. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training, as well as my book, Be Your Customer's Hero. Just go to customersatstick.com. And don't forget, leaving us a review on iTunes creates rainbows and purple unicorns and happiness. <laughs> Those reviews help others find us and help us find others. It's a service for the world, really. Ah, well, it is time for us to ride off into the sunset on our purple unicorn. So until <laughs> next time, take care of yourself. 
and take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.